This edition of The Standard is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharma Dean Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. From London, this is The Standard Podcast, and I'm Mark Blunden. AI holds the potential to completely transform life as we know it. For the first time, we have a situation where there's something that is going to be far smarter than the smartest human. AI is currently deployed in systems that you interact with day to day. There's no greater change that I can think of in my life than AI presents as a potential. Elon Musk has jetted into the UK to join US Vice President Kamala Harris for a summit focusing on the threats and opportunities of artificial intelligence. The two-day AI safety summit at the second World War top-secret code-breaking HQ at Bletchley Park in Buckinghamshire will feature tech moguls and politicians representing countries including Germany, Japan and China. It comes after President Joe Biden just signed an executive order designed to create safeguards and security standards around AI. With today's executive order, I'm determined to do everything in my power to promote and demand responsible innovation. To realize the promise of AI and avoid the risk, we need to govern this technology. There's no other way around it, in my view. It must be governed. Here's SpaceX boss and OpenAI co-founder Musk, who says the technology poses one of humanity's biggest threats, and he sets out what he hopes to achieve at Bletchley. I think there's a lot of concern among people in the uh, AI field that the government will sort of jump the gun on rules before knowing what to do. But I think that's unlikely to happen. I think what, what we're really aiming for here is to establish a framework for insight so that there's at least a third-party referee, an independent referee, that can observe what leading AI companies are doing and at least uh, sound the alarm if they, if they have concerns. Prime Minister Rishi Sunak has built the summit as a chance for Britain to lead the world in establishing agreements on the safe use of AI technology. In this episode of the Standard Podcast, we'll look at the significance of the Bletchley Conference, its goals, and whether the UK's legislature can be fast enough to move on AI regulation. We're joined by Dr Jenny Tennyson, Executive Director of Connected by Data, who's a specialist in data and AI governance. So what's the summit all about? The AI Safety Summit, which is going on in Bletchley, this week is something that's been put together by the UK government to bring together companies and governments and academics really discussing the future of AI and what the policy response for that should be. I think one thing to note is that 
uh, some many civil society campaigners and also unions aren't invited to that summit. So Open Rights Group, for example, or Liberty, people who have been working at the sharp end of AI. So it's really the kind of companies and governments getting together to, to have a discussion about what the future of AI should look like. And what's its significance? This summit is the, I mean, the government talks about it as the first AI safety summit and thinks that it will have multiple future iterations of it. And of course, there isn't, there hasn't been one that's been focused on safety in this way before. But there are lots of other international processes that are happening around AI. So the G7 has what's called the Hiroshima process, where it's looking at what kinds of requirements to put on AI companies. Um, we've also seen the UN just uh, this week has announced a high level advisory body on artificial intelligence. And there's been a whole bunch of activity over several years through the OECD or through the Global Partnership on AI, which has brought together policymakers and researchers and thinkers around AI, looking at what the future holds and what kind of regulation should be put in place. We just heard that Joe Biden executive order clip. Where's the UK in terms of AI regulation? One of the criticisms about the summit is that the UK is actually quite behind on its own AI regulation. It's really adopting a kind of wait and see approach when it comes to AI. AI regulation. And in some places, it's going backwards. There's um, a removal of people's rights around data, for example, in the Data Protection and Digital Information Bill, which is going through Parliament at the moment. So Sunak is trying to position the UK as being a leader around this very specific topic around AI safety, while not actually leading around AI regulation in the same way as the EU or now the US has is, is doing. What's the government white paper set out? the kind of top level of that was that it wanted to see AI regulation pushed down into specific regulators for particular sectors, which if you think about like the span of how much AI is going to affect our lives is, is I think, quite a sensible approach. It's not going to be possible for one body to be able to do that. But there are some issues, you know, you need to have regulators who are equipped and capable of taking on AI regulation. And there are some gaps, um, like industries where there aren't regulators. I mean, recruitment is one where you need to have a different kind of approach. So that set a tone for and sense of direction for where the government might go. But what we're really seeing is a wait and see approach, not seeing any legislation coming through anytime soon. What about the cross-border legal challenges? We have similar challenges with AI as we do with social media in that many of the companies who are pushing AI, who are developing it, are based in the US or some of them based in China. And that means that countries like the UK or even blocks like the EU have had to find a different kind of space to occupy because there is a limit to, to what they can do. They can try and push for these international agreements. It can be quite difficult to regulate in their own countries around these big transnational kind of companies. Let's go to the ads coming up, how AI is already being used every day and how China's deployed the tech. Why not hit follow in the meantime and give us a rating? Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season, when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. 
QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Welcome back. And we're back with AI expert Dr. Jenny Tennyson. So China's attending the summit. How advanced is their AI tech compared to the West? China has been developing its its own large language models. So those are the kinds of AI like ChatGPT that can generate language, obviously Chinese when it when it comes to China. So there's Baidu's Ernie, for example, and Huawei have developed something earlier this year called Pangu Sigma. But I think one of the interesting things about the way that China is moving is that it's actually been quite aggressive in its legislation on large language models and generative AI. It's trying to constrain them so they only generate content that kind of advances socialism, right? That advances the Chinese way of seeing the world. And that's quite a challenge for generative AI systems in general. But it also shows the kinds of things that governments can do that we might not be comfortable with here in the West around directing these systems in ways that constrain free speech. Was AI already being used? AI is currently deployed in systems that you interact with day to day. So when you use your face to unlock your phone, that's AI behind the scenes. When you look at your social media feed, the ordering of the the posts that you see is determined by AI. When you're using generative AI, so using chat GPT, obviously that is a form of AI as well. But we also see it in the public sector, you know, prediction systems that help the police to know where to send their resources or automate to decision-making, detecting fraud around benefits, for example. So many of us interact with systems day-to-day that are using AI, often in ways that we don't know. And we're seeing that more and more in the workplace, in schools and in edtech, and also in the public sector. Can you explain more about police use of artificial intelligence and why it's so controversial? The police are using AI for facial recognition in quite a lot of places. And and while we might think that that doesn't have any problems, it's helping the police to do their job. We know that facial recognition systems are biased, that they work better on white faces than they do on black faces, for example. And that means that it can lead to people undergoing false arrest or being wrongly recognised by these kinds of systems. But there's also a kind of pervasive feeling for people who are in neighbourhoods where the police are using AI, where we know that the data that is going into those AI systems is based on historic records of policing, where there are big reasons to believe that there is systemic racism in police forces, and that the AI is then just replicating that systemic racism. So for example, if you use as a police force a predictive algorithm to know where to put your patrols, and it's based on historic crimes. It's based on historic reported crimes and the way in which the police responded to those rather than what's happening right now. And that leads to over-policing of particular neighbourhoods and particular types of people. These are the kinds of issues that we need to address that people are experiencing right now, where AI is fed on data that is biased itself and leads to biased action that actually then feeds into the algorithms again and perpetuates the cycle. 
Finally, many thanks for your time. Could you explain the Turing test and are we there yet? So the Turing test is a famous test for whether something is artificial intelligence or not. The idea is if you can interact with something and you can't tell whether it's a human or an AI, then it passes that Turing test. And we then can't tell the difference between an AI and a human in that way when you're having that conversation. Those of us who have interacted with ChatGPT or some of the new chatbots that are rolling out might well think that we've passed that test. And certainly there's some evidence from people who are interacting with uh, generative AI systems who think they're their relatives, for example, where fraudsters are using generative AI to create something that is so like humans that people are actually being tricked into thinking that they are. There's more on this story in the Standard newspaper and online at standard.co.uk. We're back tomorrow at 4pm. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.